Filipino USA. Thursday afternoon at 2 on Radio Catskill. Radio Catskill supporters include Grizzly Bagels, small batch handmade New York style bagels in Calicoon, New York. Available for pre order, in person pickup, or shipping within New York State. GrizzlyBagels.com. From the River Reporter newspaper in Narrowsburg, RiverReporter.com. And from listeners like you who donate at WJFFRadio.org. Welcome to the local edition news and information to keep you connected in the Catskills, Northeast Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Jason Dole. Coming up tonight, we are weekly news roundup with the Sullivan County Democrat checking in with managing editor Joseph Abraham coming up in the second half of the program to get the latest on local news. But first, it's the other thing we do every Monday. We check in with Sullivan County government, find out what's going on in Sullivan County. And tonight we'll be talking about Sullivan County revolving loan funds. This fund system is designed to help companies who want to get established or expand within Sullivan County. John Kiefer is a loan consultant of the Sullivan County Division of Planning, and he's here tonight to tell us about how folks can apply and whether their business could qualify for the Sullivan County Revolving Loan Funds. John Kiefer, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Well, I'm very pleased to be with you. So um, did, did I describe the, the Revolving Loan Funds well? Can you, is there anything else you could say about what, what exactly it is? Yeah, I think you gave a great overview. Uh, more specifically, uh, we have a fund that was uh, uh, the result of a grant that was given to the county uh, more than a decade ago. And those funds are earmarked to help uh, start-up situation or expansion situations. And there's, there's two buckets. Uh, one is what we call Main Street, and that is for businesses that are opening up on the Main Street of uh, uh, villages uh, located throughout the county. Typical example would be uh, restaurants, uh, beauty parlors, uh, gyms, uh, uh, you know, anything that you might find on, any retail operation you might find on a main street of a village. The second fund is to help uh, uh, farmers uh, uh, grow uh, their businesses and diversify into uh, products that are away from just traditional milk. For example, we recently funded a mushroom grower. Uh, they're building a, uh, a building so they can grow mushrooms uh, year-round rather than strictly in the summertime in rotten logs in the woods. So it'll be a much more uh, professional operation. I'm I'm working with a uh, company that is putting in a high-speed uh, electric car charger. Uh, most of the electric car chargers you see around the county now are uh, the old uh, Phase 2 that take as much as six hours to charge your car. And these, these new ones, uh, it's anywhere from 15 minutes to half an hour to fully charge uh, their car. 
the interesting thing is that this unit is being placed near a restaurant that we funded about four years ago. So the you know the hope and expectation of the uh, owner is that while people are charging their car, they'll come into the to the bar for a, you know a light snack or dinner or something of that nature. Well, yeah, as I, as you're describing to me the different uh, different sets of funds and and how they work, um, the the first thing that springs to mind is the fact that the number one industry in Sullivan County is uh, tourism. Essentially, the number two industry uh, is agriculture, and I'm hearing uh, both both of those major industries for the counties being addressed uh, by these different fund pools. That's exactly right. The the farm fund is, is fairly active. We financed a uh, strawberry grower. We financed a uh, lavender plant grower. We have several that we've financed that have since paid off. Uh, they were doing various agricultural activities. One individual moved his business away from dairy farming to uh, beef cattle. And he realized that he had two ancillary businesses, one being in hay, uh, selling hay to the racetracks in the Northeast, and also selling sawdust bedding to the racetracks. And the income from those uh, activities was being lost in the dairy farm. So he converted his dairy farm into, into beef cattle and concentrated on the other two uh, sources of revenues. And we provided financing for, uh, one was for what's known as a walk-off trailer. And that's a a trailer that unloads itself without dumping the entire load. It has a belt on the bottom, and you can unload a measured quantity of sawdust in a particular location. And then we also financed a... um, a forklift uh, uh, to load the bales of hay. You know, the bales of hay today are those giant round bales. They weigh about 1,500 pounds. So it's not like when I was a kid growing up when we used to pick them up and throw them up on the truck. <laughs> yeah, now no. They go along with it. <laughs> now they go along and pick them up with equipment right. and machinery. Yeah, and and uh, we we know uh, from past interviews that we've done that you know diversifying is just a key to agricultural success. Uh, anymore in this area. We're seeing lots of farmers doing lots of different things, whatever they can, to stay above water. Um, talking about the, the revolving loan funds, so so how much how much funding is available for businesses? Well, we typically uh, loan uh, up to $50,000. There are times we will go over fifty, but that's 50000 is between twenty five and fifty thousand is the sweet spot. Uh, the criterion is that they have to first apply to a bank and be declined because being government funded, we can't uh, compete against banks and take bankable loans away from the banks. So we take loans that the banks won't take, and that doesn't mean that they're deadbeats or bad credits. It just means they're in an industry that the banks are uncomfortable with. Uh, The number one industry they're uncomfortable with is restaurants, and that's because of the rate of failure. Although uh, over the five, almost six years that I've been here, I haven't had one fail. And, And that has to do with the underwriting 
you know, making sure that the people have the have the capacity, you know, the background and, and training in the industry, and they have the work ethic that it takes because, for, you know, restaurants take long hours uh, to make them successful. You can't have absentee management. You've got to be there. Uh, the other criterion is that they have to put up a certain percentage of the money that's required, uh, between 10 and 20%. And the nature of the program is, the primary focus of the program is to create uh, jobs uh, in the area. So uh, another uh, you know, benchmark that has to be met is that for every $25,000 as loan, they have to create at least one full-time job. So you know, it's a combination of non-bankable, will create jobs, principals have some uh, money in in the project, and they've demonstrated that they can't get financing elsewhere, and they have convinced us that they have the capacity, if given the the money, to make the business uh, work. The confusion that I get a lot of is uh, people hear government money, they think it's free, and they don't have to pay it back. And these are loans that are repaid over five years at a fixed interest rate, self-amortizing. We charge 1% under prime, which is, uh, for a small business, a very attractive interest rate. Uh, prime has gone up, though, as you know, so the rates currently are 5 and a quarter percent But we have a ceiling of 6%, so and once the rate goes up to uh, to seven, we hit our ceiling of six, and then if the rate goes higher than that, we don't go higher than six. And it's fixed rate for the five years. All right. So if somebody's listening to us right now, uh, they are find themselves in a business that's looking to get a foothold in Sullivan County or expand, or if they're just uh, somebody wants to strike out as an entrepreneur, uh, how should they go about applying? Well, they can contact uh, me directly uh, at uh, John, spelled the traditional way, J-O-H-N, dot Kiefer, K-I-E-F-E-R, at SullivanNY dot U-S. And uh, I will respond to them by uh, sending them a brochure on the program as well as an application and you know if they're not certain if they fit you know fit the requirements uh, they can contact me and uh, we can discuss their business uh, you know the business uh, plan uh, we do require uh, a well thought out business plan that's put down on paper you know as to what they expect the revenues to be over a 3 year period of time and what the expenses and what will be available to retire the debt uh, we require, uh, you know, the last three years of tax returns and um, references on the individuals and an explanation, you know, of the business uh, and why they think they're going to be successful at it. And given the the fact that we're talking about what what are called revolving loans, I, I guess that that there's uh, is there I always would, a time to apply, or there's sometimes where it's not a good time to apply. I would not 
categorize them as revolving loans. Uh, I would categorize them as term loans. Uh, okay. The difference being a revolving loan, you can draw down the money and pay it back and draw it back down and pay it back. Uh, a term loan, you draw all the money down and then it amortizes over a five-year period of time. Right. Uh, I actually don't know anything uh, uh, about the financial side of that. I When I saw the, ter- the term uh, revolving loan funds, I just thought that that meant that the window for application is always open. The window for application is always open. But they're just it's not necessarily open. revolving funds, yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit of a... It'd probably be better name that the... the term loan fund or something like that because it is the loans do not revolve although there's no no uh, prohibition or penalty for early payment right you know if they if they borrow the money and they find the business is stronger than they expected and they don't you know they don't need uh, need the money they can certainly pay it back sooner with no penalty all right. Well, I thank you for clearing that up. See, I'm I'm it's a good day when I'm still learning things, and I'm glad you were here to to tell the listener about all this as well. Uh John Kiefer, loan consultant for Sullivan County Division of Planning. Thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. Well, thank you for giving me the time, and I hope that uh we can be of help to some of your listeners and the county as a whole because of it. Thank you so much. Okay. Have a great evening. And yes, that was John Kiefer from Sullivan County Division of Planning. We're talking about the revolving uh, loan funds that are available, which, uh, you know, are more like term loans. And again, for more information, John's email is john.kiefer at sullivanny.us. That's john.kiefer at sullivanny.us. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Local Edition, winner of two Excellence in Broadcasting Awards from the New York State Broadcasters Association. Radio Catskill. Listen local. I'm your host, Kuzar Grace KG, right here in the place to be. The Music Emporium, Tuesday, 7 to 9, on 90.5 FM. Community supported radio serving the Catskills, Northeast Pennsylvania, and Upper Delaware Valley. All those other towns, villages, and hamlets who pick up our broadcast, big shout out to you. Radio Catskills Music Sale is coming up, and we've received so many amazing donations, amazing items that are going to be there on sale for you. But what we could really use in these last couple weeks are a few more records in good condition. Collectible records, popular records in really nice shape, and even some rare vinyl. If you're a record collector who needs to downsize, consider making a donation of some high-quality vinyl records to the Radio Catskill Music Sale. Email manager at wjffradio.org. And welcome back to the local edition, news and information, keeping you connected in the Catskills in Northeast Pennsylvania. I'm Jason Dolp, and now it's time to check in for our weekly news roundup from the Sullivan County Democrat. For that, we turn to Joseph Abraham. Patricio Rabio spoke to him earlier today. 
Yeah, County Manager Josh Potosik uh, said he's been involved in the budget process in the county for 16 years. I think before he was County Manager, he was also the Budget Commissioner or whatnot. Um, he said of all the budgets presented in that 16-year period, the one they presented this year is probably the most fiscally conservative, fiscally sound proposal. Uh, in that time, uh, it totals uh, $267,069,580. Uh, it features a projected uh, 0.127% tax rate decrease, which would be the first um, tax rate decrease since 2019. Uh, they're also looking to reduce debt, uh, expand some existing services. Uh, the county claims it's avoiding layoffs and it also eliminates the solid waste access fee. Uh, which you know does all these things without raising taxes. Just for the as far as the waste fee goes, uh, it's expected to save everyday residents forty-five to fifty dollars per parcel a year. For businesses, that number could be up to seven hundred and fifty dollars. So you know, a little chunk of change, um, you know, which is always good. Gas prices and stuff. Is there a reason why they eliminated this uh, waste fee off the budget this year? Uh, I believe it was discussed at the at the meeting that. Initially, the fee was put in place to help uh, the county get some money when they were uh, not as fiscally sound and when they had debt um, to pay off. And then I think it was explained that the ultimate goal was eventually for this to go away once it wasn't needed anymore. And uh, they've reached that point. So they um, have gotten rid of this uh, waste access fee. So. Um, so that was one thing. And then as far as other interesting things about the budget, you know, 21 million for road and bridge work throughout the county, uh, which they said, um, can be done without them having to go into debt by bonding. And just an overarching view, they did talk about how sales tax and how that has been especially nice in recent years, um, has contributed to a lot of things that are, um, good for the budget and, and the financial health of the county. Uh, they also put in $5 million for a 20-year building plan with county facilities, as well as the creation of an indoor arena at SUNY Sullivan, which is that aquatic facility and such that I know both local edition we have touched on over the last couple of months. Uh million dollars to keep Move Sullivan's buses running, along with the four newly expanded routes. Uh, they have 200000 to implement uh, recommendations of the housing study. I which I talked about about a month or so ago on the local edition um, when I was on, you know, they, John Little, Jill White had a whole presentation about all these different things about housing in the county. So they're going to put some funding to try to get those solutions uh, in in motion. Uh, 200000 to invest in employee training, higher education, and leadership development amongst county employees. Uh, 200000 to demolish blighted properties uh, via the county land bank. Uh, they're also doing 150000 for a countywide parks master plan. I know this particular group has uh, talked. I know Alan Sorensen's been talking big on um, the importance of ecotourism and stuff. And so uh, this you know, parks master plan, I think, will, will help the county. Or the idea is to continue to build on those great attractions that we have in our natural environment here. Uh, the budget also tentatively uh, accounts for more funding for the Sullivan Promise Scholarship Program. Jay Quain's recently said that that's been seeing some uh, good engagement. I think over 150 students the last time he had gave an update on it, had uh, taken advantage of that, and that covers one year of tuition for county kids uh, in, in a degree program who, um, you know, are accepted and do go to Sullivan. And, uh, you know, the, with this budget and the additional funding, it would uh, – double that reimbursement from one to two years. So it could potentially cover a kid that's eligible's entire undergraduate um, 
associate's degree, I should say. Um, they're also looking more for the Youth Bureau, the Bureau of Fires, firefighter recruitment effort, which is always a big thing. And we've all talked about the need for volunteer firefighters. Also, County Clerk's Office and the DMV are going to be renovating their offices in the future to improve workflow and customer service. An Office of Emergency Management is proposing to uh, add a deputy commissioner and support staff. So the um, county actually talked about how the there's a new budget book all online. Um, no more big physical copies, uh, which I'm sure the trees are much appreciative of. Um, you go to this website, it's, you can access it through the county's website, and it's like very interactive technology, and people can go more in-depth if they're curious about, um, you know, more line items and, and want to take a deeper dive into the budget. Uh, now the process is, is the county has until December 20th to uh, approve the budget. So they, uh, in the meantime, have three special management and budget committee meetings that have been set for November. Uh, and um, this gives legislators the opportunity to call in a couple specific department heads um, or division heads and just be like, hey, you know, want to go over their particular sections of the budget with them, answer questions. Uh, so this isn't by any means the finalized budget that's going to be approved. There usually are some changes along the way. Once those three committee meetings are, are done, there will be a public hearing set in December. Most likely the early December, since, like I said, they have a December 20th deadline that will give the public the opportunity to weigh in on some of these budget decisions. And um, but no matter if it's the special management budget committee meetings or these public hearings, all of them will be live streamed. And uh, there has been notice put out so people will be able to make their voices heard on it. So, you know, a lot of the townships we cover, which is a different beast you know is uh they have a quicker deadline right so a lot of them are approving their budgets by like first week of november but county has until december 20th so they're a little bit uh not quite as further along in their budget process but you know this is always a quick moving uh process and um, there'll be plenty of opportunities for people to weigh in on things and that final budget approval that's happening at the next legislature meeting is that correct uh the so there's um three different management budget committee meetings that are set up i don't have the specific dates in front of me but they're i think over the course of the next i'd say week and a half two weeks tops uh and then public hearings are going to be set in one of the upcoming meetings uh so but like i said those are expected to be like in early december uh, and then like i said Typically, the legislature in the past where I've covered it, they don't usually push it quite as far as December 20th deadline, but usually it's sometime in, in December when they make a decision on the budget. So they have to sort of follow all the necessary steps. Another story we have been following and want uh, definitely want an update on is the ethics board uh, charges that were supposedly going to be brought on against Iris Steingard. And a conflict uh, he had with Alan Sorensen, the legislature's on the Sullivan County Legislature Board. Can you sort of uh, give us a recap exactly what happened, what was the controversy about, and what happened recently? Yeah, so pretty much with the legislature, a couple of weeks ago, there was a big argument uh, after Iris Steingarter brought forward that he thought there's a bed tax committee that hasn't met yet. Uh, they were created because the county has a tourism enhancement uh, program that they're starting with some of the bed tax monies that the county receives, which is why it's called the bed tax committee referred to that way. And uh, it's supposed to uh, exist with the county steering committee, which is made up of the chairman, Doherty, vice chair Brooks, uh, Iris Steingart, the minority leader, and Alan Sorensen, the majority leader. And they also said Nadia Reich, 
would be involved because she is the legislator that deals with a lot of the river corridor and they want to have a representation there. And pretty much Ira had brought up uh, a few weeks back that he thought Alan Sorensen should be disqualified from the committee because he's a legislator of Orange County and he saw, not a legislator, sorry, he is the planning commissioner in Orange County. Uh, so he has like a jo- his day job is to work for Orange County. So he sees that as a potential conflict of interest. Um, you know, there was back and forth on that. And eventually, Alan, while saying he didn't personally see the conflict and neither did Chairman Doherty, uh, that he felt on his own will that he didn't want this money to be stained. So he's like, on his own choice, I'm going to step away and not serve on it. And then Doherty turned his attention to Ira, who, as the... Uh, planning committee chairman, he automatically serves the Sullivan Catskills Visitors Association's board as an ex-officio non-voting member. So Doherty saw that as a potential conflict, uh, especially when Ira has stated in the past, you know, I think the SCBA should get more money for certain things. And they, the county did renegotiate with the SCBA in recent years, taking away a little bit of the money that they were receiving. So that sort of was the last meeting. And Ira pretty much said that he was not going to resign. And the chairman had alluded to the possibility of bringing, uh, going to the ethics board and wanting the legislature to make a decision or possibly put it to a vote to go to the ethics board related to what he believed was a conflict of interest. So this sort of was also brought up is that this ethics board that the county has, which is made up of five people, has two vacancies. And it's going to have a third one once someone new is appointed, because one of the three people that's currently on the ethics board has expired their term. And the only reason they're staying on, according to the chairman, is that they just were keeping them on until a replacement was found. So if they had pushed him off, there wouldn't even be enough for a quorum for an ethics board. So there's two people that uh, put in uh, letters of interest to the legislative clerk, Amory Martin, Len Bernardo, who is a Rock Hill resident, uh, and also. Uh, Robert Freehill, who is an attorney and assistant county attorney and, of course, the county attorney's office. So they were the only letters that Anne Marie said that she received in a year and a half since she posted that there were vacancies in the ethics board on June 8th, 2021. Long story short is that they decided to table the uh, vote on these two potential ethics board appointees. Steingart believes that Doherty shouldn't have voted on it or shouldn't vote on it, I should say, because you know, he's claimed or alluded to possibly bringing ethics charges against him. So he didn't feel like he should vote on who would be on the ethics board then um, after saying that. But at this time, you know, it was kind of once in this whole debate was brought up by Doherty that he would like to consider just getting rid of the ethics board. And then um, Joe Perillo, who was also involved in the argument, uh, said he actually agreed with Doherty that they should look into that. And uh, Tom Colley, the deputy county attorney who serves as parliamentarian, said that um, he's researched this matter in the past, and while the state requires the county to have an ethics law, they're not required to have a board. Um, and so pretty much he's going to put forth a legal opinion. So in the meantime, the legislature is going to table this discussion, and once that opinion is had, they'll evaluate their options, but they're possibly looking at getting rid of the ethics board. So. Well, there is a lot going on at the Sylvan County Legislature meetings, and I watched this meeting live, So, and it was a lot of you know, discord and, and bickering back and forth between the less hatred. So I'm glad you were there to sort of clear it up and sort of make sense of it and make sense of it all. We were talking to the managing editor for the Sullivan County Democrat, Joseph Abraham, letting us know what's in the pages of the Sullivan County Democrat that's coming out tomorrow. Joe, thank you so much for joining us and we'll talk to you again in two weeks. 
Looking forward to it. Thank you to both Patricio and Joe for that report. This has been the local edition. We will be back tomorrow evening and every evening of the week. Every weekday evening at 6.30, we are here for you. Make sure you never miss any edition of the local edition. Subscribe to the Radio Catskill Local Edition podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts from. My name's Jason Dole. I'll be back tomorrow evening. Coming up, we have our Monday night lineup of news and public affairs programming, kicking it off with Laura Flanders. Stay tuned. This is Radio Catskill. Support for Radio Catskill comes from the Community Foundation of Orange and Sullivan, working with charitable people, businesses, and organizations to support worthy causes through more than 360 charitable funds. CFOSNY.org. Ba and Me. Classic Vietnamese food made to order from fresh ingredients with locations in Honesdale and Livingston Manor. Menu and hours online at baandme.com and on Instagram and Facebook. And from listeners like you. Fentanyl is 50 times stronger than heroin. Even the smallest amount can be lethal. And Sullivan County has the highest opioid overdose rate in New York State. Help save lives. Learn the common signs of opioid use disorder. Spread awareness and carry a life-saving naloxone kit. Available at Sullivan County's Public Health Office, 50 Community Lane, Liberty, or from your local pharmacy. Learn more at HealTogetherNY.org slash Sullivan. Paid for by Sullivan County Government. Hey, John Gordon here to ask the question, Where would we be without music? I love music, and I play a lot of it right here on WJFF every Thursday evening from 7 to 9 p.m. Please tune in. That's Ramble Tamble, Thursdays 7 to 9 p.m. on WJFF.